It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right. We're talking about opening uh, the economies, and this is LA and Orange County. And already uh, the on your mind, on their minds, uh, on our minds, uh, the reopening of the economies is uh, front burner uh, because we're on the cusp of moving into the red tier, uh, the more permissive category, uh, which allows wider indoor business operations, restaurants and gyms, uh, in-person classes for students in grade 7 through 12, and the earliest either county, Orange or L.A. County, could move into that tier is two weeks from now. But only uh, if uh, the transmission rate and the measures hit certain state set benchmarks. And uh, that gets a little wonky. It really does. Uh, as we try to understand it. And I don't think how many people do. So the reopening blueprint in California uh, each of the counties is assigned to, remember, the four color-coded tiers. Uh, the strictest being purple, then uh, to red, which is less strict, then to orange, and then yellow. And none of that, I don't know who came up with that color plan. Uh, that's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. What happened to yellow, green, uh, red, that everybody understands, and then add one more color? And then they go to the Crayola Company, Pew, Sienna Brown, I don't care what they do. Uh, and... Uh, the county has to meet uh, the next tier's criteria for two weeks in a row in order to advance out of the tier. But I, let me ask you this. Do you understand this? Uh, because uh, yeah, here it is. Uh, three criteria. The average daily case rates adjusted based on the number of tests performed, the testing positivity rate, and a health equity metric intended to ensure that the positivity rate in poor communities is not significantly worse than the county's overall figure. And uh, what happens in the poor communities? Well, two things happen. Uh, the uh, criticism is that the vaccines are not moving quickly enough. Uh, there, we, we need more vaccination centers. And then how do you overcome the fact that fewer people are willing to be vaccinated or tested in minority communities simply because of the distrust of um, uh, the government, the police, et cetera. Uh, so try to get around that one. So they have some kind of uh, this formula. L.A. County, which was uh, the worst and the center of the outbreak, meets uh, two of the three criteria uh, necessary to go into the red tier. It's that case rate that's uh, being held back. So as we look at uh, the case rate and going into the next tier, uh, this is uh, L.A. County I'm going to talk about. Uh, it allows, uh, that's what's happening, and, and some uh, counties are already there. Um, red tier allows indoor restaurant dining and movie theaters at 25% capacity or up to 100 uh, people, whichever is lower. 
indoor gyms and dance and yoga studios at 10% capacity. Museums, zoos, and aquariums can open at 25% capacity, except that at aquariums, uh, there'll be uh, only 25% of the fish allowed actually in the tank. Non-essential stores and libraries, 50% capacity, and that's up. That doubles from 25%. However, red tier, which we're looking at if things go right over the next uh, few weeks, still keeps venues closed. Amusement parks, and that has been way at the top of the conversation. Convention centers, uh, and, and this is where, th- that's no small deal when you're talking about amusement parks, particularly here in Southern California. Uh, convention centers, bars, breweries, distilleries. Distilleries where no meals are provided because if there are meals provided, that's considered a restaurant. No indoor swimming pools, uh, no indoor entertainment. For example, bowling alleys, escape rooms. God, those are weird. We've done stories on those. Those are very strange with escape rooms. And uh, laser tag facilities, playing laser tag. Uh, I think paintball is more exciting, having done neither one of those. Oh, no, you've got to do an escape room sometime. We should do one. They are so much fun. I've never actually escaped, but they're Yeah, you don't fun. escape. And, you know, why would you? You can't get out. It's like being married. Uh, you know, you, you can't get out of it. Well, you're supposed to do problem solving oh, to get yourself out. Got it. Fair enough. But... <laughs> We're moving into, uh, we are moving into uh, the next tier. It is absolutely happening. Now, uh, California is not crazy the way Texas and Mississippi are, that they're just removing, that's it, uh, all criteria, mandates, uh, social distancing out the window. And uh, we're going to see uh, in a couple of weeks uh, how that works out for them. The uh, pandemic is going to end. There's no question as uh, everybody who is not crazy in America is going to be vaccinated. Uh, And there are two types of people that are not going to be vaccinated. People that can't for legitimate medical reasons. And uh, those people that are completely out of their minds and think that their DNA is going to be stolen by the government uh, or they're going to get autism or whatever the hell. Uh, So we are going to have everybody vaccinated. So we know it's going to end, at least the medical part. Now, returning to work is a lot more complicated because this is psychological, uh, this is sociological, uh, this is patterns that have been established uh, your entire work life. So corporate executives across the country are wrestling how, when to reopen offices as the pandemic uh, loosens its grip. Uh, businesses are eager to return to some kind of normal work and employees for the most part, uh, going to the office, uh, grabbing lunch at a restaurant, hanging out with workers, uh, stopping for drinks after work, going to the water cooler, which I don't know if there's a water cooler that exists anymore. Uh, but the world has changed big time. And so right now, most companies uh, have not committed to a time and strategy uh, because they've opened and closed a couple of times. And they've been burnt. And uh, so a couple things are going to happen. And that is one, a timeline uh, that's going to be established. And it's probably going to be uh, set up by the feds, the CDC. And it's uh, where it is now safe to go to work. And then the recommendation is going to be, and you wear a mask 
uh, virtually the entire time when you're around people. Uh, a lot of the major, major considerations when the kids are going to go back to school. Uh, that is super important. And then there's the kind of work you do. And how many times you're in the office. There are uh, certain work experiences uh, and uh the way you do business, uh, simply work very well on Zoom. Uh, you don't need to meet with uh, clients anymore. It's fun. If you're in sales, uh, it's much more effective to go to lunch and hang out for a couple of hours. But think of this, and this is my friend Sable, who uh, he and I run this business in Las Vegas. And that is he used to have uh, meetings and could do it once a day uh, with distributors of uh, our cookware and now he can do five, six meetings a day on Zoom. It is so, so far more efficient and it's cheaper because there's no office to go to. Uh, it is more effective. And if that becomes the norm, what happens? Of course, that's the way it's going to go. And of course, the long term of uh, uh, the long term effects of that one. Uh, you know, commercial real estate. You don't need an office. You need far less of an office. Uh, it, let's say uh, that a company still believes uh, that there should be workers uh, that hang out with each other uh, because uh, when you have workers, they talk. Uh, one mentors the other. Uh, they hang out. They have lunch. Uh, they expand ideas. They socialize with each other. None of that happening uh, via the Internet. Uh, and even if it is going to happen where workers are going to return, maybe it's three days a week. Maybe it's two days a week where you have workers sharing the same office space. It's like in a submarine, uh, hot bunking, where uh, you've, you have the crew, half the crew sleeping and the other half the crew working, and then they switch over when when it's time for their shift to end. Are, we, are they going to do some kind of hot bunking uh, in a business? Uh, here's your desk. Uh, you use it Tuesdays and Thursdays. And Fred is going to use it uh, Mondays and Wednesdays. And then we're going to leave it uh, empty on Fridays or someone's going to use it. Well, you don't need much uh, office space. And so as we come back, and we knew this was going to happen, how are we going to go back to work? How are we going to deal with it? Now, certain businesses aren't going to be touched. I know people that, for example, graphic designers, you're at home. It doesn't matter anyway. Uh, if you're working and uh, doing uh, computer work, uh, and I know people that haven't even met clients, have never even met their clients over a course of years in person. Uh, so those are easy. The other ones are not so easy. Oh, the other thing is, what if someone, and this is uh, what the companies have to deal with, and there's one company uh, that was talked about, actually, uh, the Charlotte Regional Business Alliance. Uh, they uh, did this study and asked, uh, asked companies, what do you do with people that don't want to come to work because of the fear? And how long do you allow them to be fearful? Well, right now, most companies will not write you up. They won't reprimand you. Uh, what happens six months from now? What happens next year? When the fear, now it's, uh, okay, great. Uh, you're, you're, you're afraid of flying. And you're a national sales manager. 
and you have a meeting in New York. Well, I won't get on an airplane because I'm frightened. How long are you going to last? Well, same thing with being fearful of the pandemic because the fear continues on because the psychology of this is uh, pretty strange. We're in the middle of it right here. Because the pandemic hit, uh, a lot of us started broadcasting from the house. And uh, it, it it's, works beautifully. You know, we're on teams, and uh, it, here we go. And I'm I'm looking at uh, Wayne. I looked at I look at Jennifer, and uh, it's like I'm there. It's like you're there. So it works for us, especially when there are no salespeople in the office. And it's kind of nice uh, not dealing with the people I work with. I must tell you, there are some real advantages not dealing with those uh, that you work uh, closely with. You should stop now. Uh, you think so? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I will stop now. Uh, Cuomo and Newsom, uh, the two governors who uh, were heroes at the beginning of this pandemic. A uh, couple of reasons. First of all, New York and California. So just by being governors of those states, uh, they're way ahead of the game. I mean, do you know who the governor of Wyoming is? Uh, I don't. Uh, do you know who the governor of South Dakota is? I don't. So they're uh, they're well known just by virtue of being uh, the governors of those states. But here's what's uh, happening with uh, a couple of governors who have gone from the top of the heap in terms of uh, they were the way they were perceived at the beginning of the pandemic, all the way down to their survival is at stake. Newsom, this has been going on for a while, uh, the way he's handled the pandemic, uh, the waffling he has done. The distribution issues uh, in California, the opening, the not opening of schools, et cetera. I mean, it's it has not been pleasant for Newsom, even though there are a lot of issues. Mm, he is not given a lot of credit for doing such a good job. And of course, that uh, dinner at the French Laundry during shutdown, man. Uh, that destroyed a lot of credibility. Certainly did with me. And then you have uh, Governor Cuomo on the other side. That, that it's that's all about sexual harassment. Three women have come forward and uh, said, "Oh yeah, uh, he sexually harassed uh, me." And his defense is, "Well, I didn't actually touch anybody." Well, one woman he did tried to kiss her, but his defense is uh, Italian, and uh, you hug and you kiss, and you're European, and uh, didn't intend make anybody uncomfortable, which he probably didn't. As as someone comes past you, uh, if you're a male and uh, a female comes past you, you go, hey, great looking, hey, uh, love it, or uh, you you try to hug. I mean, are you intending to make anybody uncomfortable? Of course not. But it does, and the reports come in, and it's one of those things where if this has been going on for years— And uh, it seems to, because uh, the allegations have gone back a while. Now we're getting it. Now we're finding out what happened. And uh, we have an apology from him. I didn't intend. uh, I'm sorry I made uh, you uncomfortable. And I hope uh, that uh, basically asking for forgiveness. And three women are not doing it. They're not buying it. Although they want accountability. I don't know what accountability is. For them is he has to resign. Someone accuses a public official of misconduct. Prior to an investigation, 
the answer is resign. This was Al Franken, who was out of his mind when he resigned. Uh, at the time that picture uh, was published, and it was uh, a woman who was asleep, and there's Al Franken with his hands uh, effectively covering her breasts, but the hands were a foot away, and he was smiling at the camera, He and she was asleep. He was a comedian at that time, and he resigned. He's nuts. He was I mean, it made no sense. And uh, to this day, he'll say, I shouldn't have done that. No kidding. So Cuomo is now in for the fight of his life. He has said he was out for a week. No one knew even where he was. And he has come forward and he has apologized and he has said, I am not resigning. Which pending an investigation, although I don't know what the hell investigation. He's not denying that he said those things. Uh, what are they going to investigate? What, investigate what was through his mind? Uh, no, you you purposely made her feel uncomfortable. That was your intent. Uh, and uh, investigate the women who felt uncomfortable or didn't. What you're going to get it into their heads and say, "Oh no, no, you weren't uncomfortable. You're just saying that for political purposes." What, what is an investigation going to prove? And then the issue: Does he survive? And uh, does Gavin Newsom survive? And now you get to flip a coin. And it's going to be a close one. It truly is. This is going to be like the Senate runoff in Georgia. It's going to be a close one. And no one knew what was going to happen beforehand. I don't think people know what's going to happen now. I I am guessing one more woman coming forward in uh, the Cuomo situation, he's gone. And uh, with Gavin Newsom... I I think he's not going to make any more mistakes. I mean, he already had his dinner at the French Laundry. Uh, Now it's a question of reopening. And the argument is that he is uh, uh, he should he should reopen faster. Well, that's not enough for a recall. What I disagree with the timeline for reopening. Therefore, I'm going to ask for a recall. That doesn't work. Also, the very act of recalling a governor. It's only happened once in the history of uh, our state. So that story is going to pan out, that's for sure. But there are things happening in Congress, and this has to do with leadership. Uh, The congressional seat that Nancy Pelosi is holding, three people have held that seat in the past half century. Two of them uh, account for virtually all of the 57 years. Phil Burton and a lady by the name of Nancy Pelosi. She was first elected speaker in 1987. She's been reelected 17 times. She doesn't even run for office. She just throws her name up there, and she regularly gets 75% uh, support. Well, uh, she is, uh, this month, she turns 130 years old, and she has said uh, that, uh, you know, her congressional days have their limits. She's been saying that for 10 years, incidentally. She never planned to serve more than 10 years, she said 56 years ago. Uh, And in a 2018 interview, uh, what she wants to do is speak of things to do, books to write, places to go, grandchildren first and foremost to love. Uh, I don't know what a 81-year-old does in the love department, but I'll tell you about that when I reach uh, that age. And she's called herself a transitional figure. And I'll tell you where the race is. Who 
is going to follow her. And that decision, it has to be made by the House. It's a political decision. I mean, it's not a question of seniority. It's a question of politics. I mean, you're. it's almost like um, uh, when you're trying to get endorsements uh, when someone's running for president. I'll tell you what, you endorse me and you get secretary of state. You endorse me and I'll give you this cabinet position. Uh, here's what I'll do for you. I mean, it is truly politicking. But it's done within Congress. And she is a master at it. The other uh, way to become speaker, actually you need both, raising money for other candidates or for the National Committee. She is she's a master at that. She raises money. She is an animal when it comes to raising money. And that's what's kept her in the speakership for all of these years. And so the fight now starts because this this basically is it. She has said it. And I don't even know if Congress is going to go uh, with someone who is approaching uh, the mid-80s. So who is who are the people that are fighting for it? First of all, there's uh, Pelosi's daughter, Christine, who uh, has never had political office, and she is supporting her daughter uh, for the seat, maybe. And that's going to piss off a few people, you would think. And then there are other, uh, it really boils down to three or four people who are already in uh, positions of power in the leadership. Because the way to get in the leadership is uh, the money raising, uh, certainly the ability to politic, and uh, the uh, sycophantic ass-kissing that uh, you have to do to uh, the speaker. The speaker has enormous power. The speaker gives uh, people uh, uh, committee uh, assignments. And the speaker has the ability to put someone on a very important committee. Or uh, here is a subcommittee, uh, the subcommittee that oversees janitorial supplies for the Capitol. Here, take this mop and see if it works. That's the kind of power the speaker has. And so the fight is uh, going to go on. And in the other cases, uh, for example, Phil Burton, who was her successor, actually chose uh, Nancy Pelosi. That's another thing. With the power that the speakership has, and Nancy Pelosi specifically, she's going to leave office with power, which means she's going to have a great deal of influence in terms of, uh, if not selecting the new speaker, because that's not going to happen. Again, the Congress is going to vote. But certainly influencing the selection. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. 
Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Today was supposed to be another attack on the Capitol. And why is March 4th so important? Because the anticipation was March 4th. Well, let's go back in history a bit. Uh, At the time of our founding fathers, whenever a new president was elected, the inauguration date was uh, March 4th, not January 20th. Well, if you look from the day of the the election till the new president coming into power, uh, that's a long time. And if it's not the same president, you've got a lame duck period of time that's pretty extended. So the 20th Amendment was passed in 1933 when Franklin Roosevelt was elected, and that was moved to January 20th. And ever since then, it's been January 20th. So uh, what's going on with the potential attack on the on the uh, Capitol? Well, you've got the QAnon crazies who are uh, out there or arguing they're out there in force, which they're not. Today was supposed to be, uh, and not so much the attack. I mean, they obviously do with the attack. But here, let me tell you how nuts QAnon is and QAnon followers. And unfortunately, it's by the millions. First of all, they obviously believe that President Biden is not the President Biden because the election was stolen. Uh, They also believe that the Democratic lawmakers are a bunch of uh, Satanist pedophiles and the deep state is, in fact, running the country and is taking away all of our freedoms. And today was going to be the day uh, that President Trump was going to march into Washington triumphantly, much like Caesar marched into Rome Uh, when the throngs were cheering uh, on the side of the road, and there he is in his chariot wearing that that crown of, uh, what what plant was that? Hibiscus? Palm? No, it wasn't palm. That's Jesus. Uh, Anyway, he was wearing uh, a crown of greenery. Uh, Maybe it was parsley. I don't know. In any case... Uh, That was supposed to be the triumphant return of President uh, Trump. Now, he has not pushed it. He has not said it. Uh, He has not told the QAnon followers, you guys are nuts. That he's left alone. His entire position vis-a-vis the presidency is the election was stolen. He has not stopped with that position. So uh, there was credible intelligence. Uh, The FBI gave this out and uh, various other intelligence organizations saying, yeah, Uh, they're out there and they are going to attack. Now, who's going to attack? Uh, You can't get in within half a mile of the Capitol. I mean, there are perimeter fencing that goes out. There's razor wire on top of the fencing. And this isn't just uh, the chain link fence that was uh, brought down by the rioters on January 6th. I mean, this is heavy duty stuff. Also, uh, you've got National Guard there. Uh, You've got armed Uh, armed security, I mean, this is not going to happen. And I'll tell you why it's not going to happen for another reason. And that is uh, the, those that are arguing that 
the president is going to march triumphantly back to the Capitol and the White House and uh, reassert his presidency because he actually won the election and the people of America will rise up and bring him back into power. You've got a large number of these QAnon followers that are saying, uh, don't go. Why? Because it really is a plot by the government. uh, And they're going to pretend it's us and then they will attack us and it will give uh, and and there will then be another step towards controlling America. In other words, a plot within a plot, like a double agent. So the government is actually going to attack impersonating uh, the QAnon, the racists, the supremacists, and therefore giving them an excuse to go against, uh, well, white America. It's uh, that simple. And uh, supporting the uh, base. Uh, and supporting uh, the uh, the whole concept of what QAnon is about. I mean, QAnon is real simple. Uh, their idea is that America is white. America is uh, Christian. And I'm going to talk a little bit later about that, too, because there is, uh, matter of fact, 820, I'm going to talk about that next segment. There's crazy stuff going on on that side, too. Uh, but here is... Um, Uh, One of the real criticisms, now keep in mind, the president is not advocating any of this, uh, or President Trump is not. He is staying away from this, for sure. However, uh, Representative Michael McCall of Texas, uh, Republican on the House Homeland Security Committee, senior Republican, has pleaded with the president, uh, President Trump, you have a responsibility, tell these people to stand down. The threat is credible. It's real. It's a right-wing militia group. That's who it is. And the president, uh, President Trump, has not made that statement. He has not said to uh, those white supremacists, the QAnon followers, to stand down and say what you're doing is un-American. His position is real simple. I'm the president of the United States. I've won the election. Uh, Joe Biden is not the legitimate president. The election was stolen, and that's the concentration, uh, and that's what he's concentrating on. Uh, does it make any difference? No. Uh, there, I, I don't think there's going to be anybody marching on the Capitol. I don't even think there's going to be a peaceful demonstration with Confederate flags and uh, all of the uh, Proud Boys insignia. I think nothing's going to happen. Certainly hasn't happened yet. All right, back to QAnon and conspiracy theories. Uh, I'm going to share with you where it is, and this is scary. If you look at what what these people are, especially those that attack the Capitol, especially those that are QAnon followers, uh, there's a couple of things they had in common. There were two names that were being uh, bandied about during this entire, uh, the entire incident. One was, of course, Donald Trump. The other one was Jesus. Because a large number of uh, those attackers and a large number of QAnon followers are arguing, and they firmly believe, number one, of course, that President Trump uh, was a legitimate president, and for some reason, the people that are really out there believe that he's going to march triumphantly into the Capitol today uh, to reclaim his presidency. 
And the other part of it that is uh, pretty scary, and this is particularly scary when we're talking about Protestant congregations, because in the churches, especially the evangelical churches, as well as the straight Protestant churches, uh, there is uh, a movement, if not a movement, certainly a belief of uh, the fact that uh, going going back to the Trump presidency, and of course, I'm telling you, the president has not argued this at all. He never has, and he is, uh, so he can't be accused of this. These are these people uh, that their attempt to go back to the administration of uh, a few months ago is God's will. Truly believing that Jesus wants the former president to continue the presidency. And it is, incidentally, this is not just one person uh, being weird. Uh, This is a lot of people out there. And it's going around uh, the Internet and always has just for the first time they're looking at it. I mean, there is data out there. The American Enterprise Institute, which is a conservative, uh, conservative think tank, more than a quarter of white evangelicals and QAnon conspiracy theorists con- connecting the two uh, believe the theory, of course, that uh, uh, the politicians, the Democrats run this global child sex trafficking ring. They believe Okay, that it's mostly or completely accurate. That's the same. That's the highest of any religious group. But you would think that among evangelicals. Uh, But the same survey found. uh, Well, that's not surprising that uh, three out of five. uh, Biden is not the president. Uh, And uh, the uh, Nashville based uh, Lifeway Research uh, Southern Baptist Organization. 49% of Protestant Protestant pastors say they often hear their uh, congregants repeating the QAnon theories and saying that uh, that is the legitimate way to believe that it is. This is Christianity. QAnon is Christianity. And the belief is um, another uh, a study that was done, and this was done by Andrew Whitehead, uh, Indiana University, Purdue uh, sociologist, uh, studying the, uh, the growth of Christian nationalism. He describes it as this, again, based on surveys, based on science, is that what we're seeing is the fusing of Christianity with the belief that we are a Christian nation— that God, the one God, has chosen uh, specifically for success a particular Christian path tied to the Republican Party and being white. And we're not talking about a small group of people. Pastors are uh, spinning on this one. I mean, there are one or two out there, but uh, that's, of course, just uh, the outliers. Uh, Pastors are having a very tough time with this, even the evangelical pastors are having a tough time dealing with this. And uh, the more they argue against this, the more their congregants, the evangelical, particularly believers in QAnon, uh, the more there is a separation where some congregants uh, congregants are just leaving because uh, they can't believe their pastor is not following the QAnon theory. We'll see how many... uh, QAnon followers today attack the Capitol. I don't think there are going to be many. Matter of fact, I don't think there are going to be any. 
but no one's taking a chance at all. Congress is not in session. Uh, Nancy Pelosi canceled today, and uh, the House uh, that was set to pass the George Floyd Justice in Policing Act did it last night. Uh, Last night, there was a vote. Originally, the vote in the House was scheduled for today. But because of the threat of a subsequent attack on the Capitol, Nancy Pelosi moved it to last night. And in the House, it passed. And this is the George Floyd Justice in Policing Act. And, man, it just changes everything about policing in the United States. I don't think there's anything uh, this expansive, uh, not that I can remember, or ever. And uh, Wayne Resnick, who, of course, uh, tons and tons of experience in the federal justice system, um, federal uh, criminal justice system, uh, who has dealt with police matters over and over again. Uh, Wayne, thanks for joining us. And let's go through this uh, because uh, we have certain points we have to talk about. Uh, some of them uh, just overwhelmingly important and changing, and some of them uh, it 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 looks stronger than it actually is. Yes, and the big surprise, kind of at the end, is how most of this actually misses the main issue. So let's go through what this thing does, and it does a bunch. Um, One of the first things that it does, although you don't hear about it too often, there is a federal criminal statute that is used to prosecute police officers, uh, and it's called deprivation of rights under color of law, meaning you're in an official capacity and under the guise of investigating someone or it's usually arresting someone, you violate their civil rights. That's a criminal offense. Now, Here's what viol- this- let me interrupt for a moment. You're violating sure. their civil rights. How? What exactly is the civil right that you are violating? Generally speaking, this involves beating the holy hell out of people that are in your custody when there was no cause to do it. Because we have a right not to be beat up while correct. we're in uh, police custody. And that, that is translated correct. into a civil right. Yes, and it's a crime to deprive somebody of that right under the color of law. Now, here's what this act does. Currently, in order to convict a police officer of doing this, you have to show that whatever it was that they did, right, that deprived the person of their rights, they did willfully. This law changes the state of mind to knowingly or recklessly. Yeah, that's that's you the can magic you can word. speak on how different willfully oh, and yes. recklessly are under the law. Yes, uh, because uh, reckless, you don't need to dis- to decide what the state of uh, mind is. Either someone the jury decides that was reckless, and it doesn't matter what you were thinking. Uh, it you just should not have done it. Uh, it's that that's it's that simple. We're going to nail you for it. It's like uh, when uh, police uh, when they're policing and the police may arrest versus shall arrest. That's all the difference in the world. So it would in theory, it would make it a lot easier to convict police officers because you don't have to get into what were they thinking? You only have to look at their behavior and say, hey, that behavior 
really created this risk that somebody's rights were going to be violated. And now you can get a conviction. Yeah, that's um, a big deal. Oh, it's a massive deal. Now, another, and I don't know if we're going to have time to fully do this in this segment, but the other massive thing is eliminating qualified immunity protection for police officers. And this completely eliminates it, okay? Qualified immunity, a judge-created doctrine. It wasn't written in a law. No legislators at the federal level said, let's protect police officers this way. It just came out of case law where judges said, oh, if you're going to sue. Now, this has to do with suing cops. The other thing is for prosecuting cops. This is for suing cops. And it says if you're going to sue a police officer for violating your constitutional rights, you're going to have to prove they violated your rights. And the way that they violated your rights was already previously found somewhere in a court to violate your rights. The idea being they would have then known or should have known that the thing they were doing violated your rights. And that's the only way that a police officer should be held civilly accountable. Even if it's some court somewhere in Maine uh, yeah. that no one is, uh, that no prosecutor could, uh, who's been in, uh, working for the government for 25 years would ever know. Yeah, well, I mean, as long as it's within the jurisdiction. Now, these are suits in federal court. So as long as it's somewhere within the circuit, but you're right, you know, the northeast of the United States, here's a cop in Boston. There was a federal case in Maine where some court said the thing that you did was unconstitutional. Now you're on the hook. So this completely eliminates as a defense qualified immunity. It doesn't tweak it. It doesn't soften it. It kills it. Well, another thing it does is go after two tactics that have repeatedly been the subject of scrutiny and controversy. Number one, no-knock warrants. What this bill says is there will be no federal warrants, no warrants issued by federal courts, no-knock warrants for drug cases, period. If what you're going after is drugs, you will not get a no-knock warrant, period. You can get a warrant. You will get a warrant that requires you to uh, provide notice of your presence, authority, and purpose for being there. And because they can't directly do anything about local courts issuing no-knock warrants in drug cases, they go after the money. There are two big sources of grant money from the feds, the uh, Edward Byrne Memorial uh, justice assistance grants and this cops program, community oriented policing grants. This law says you're not getting a dollar from these programs unless you have a no knock warrant for drugs policy where you are. We can't force you to do it, but we can disallow you from getting grant money if you don't do what we want. Now, uh, I want to point something out, and uh, that is, uh, as uh, this from Vox.com is where we're uh, getting this article, and it uh, it's, uh, according to Vox, uh, about $120 billion uh, were spent on policing uh, in 2018 by state and local governments. Uh, of that, the feds contributed about $5 billion, so it doesn't seem like a lot of money, yet uh, even a small portion is a lot of money. Uh, and also, I'm assuming that uh, the program that gives 
the police, and that's gone back and forth. It gives the police government surplus uh, weaponry. Right. You know, for example, body armor, uh, the uh, the shields, uh, the helmets, the uh, military helmets, the, uh, the tanks. Yeah, the well, the tank. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that one was a little bit uh, not really controversial, but they really don't need you know the eighty eight mil uh, the eighty eight millimeter howitzers and uh, the RPGs and the low grade nuclear weapons. They really didn't need that to control uh, the crowds, but. Uh, in general, uh, I think the, it was under the Barack administration. They just took that away completely. Well, this bill it to restrain the person or stop the person from being violent because the law now is defining it as no, that's an infliction of a punishment, pain or penalty. When you're a police officer and you're trying to get somebody under control, you are not allowed at that point to mete out punishment to that person. They're defining these tactics as punishment to that person. It's going to be very difficult for police officers to defend themselves with civil rights lawsuits involving chokeholds and carotid holds if this thing passes. And then real quickly, uh, before we go, uh, the uh, the people who are saying that this does not go nearly far enough, the NAACP, National Urban League, et cetera, uh, are saying uh, this is not about a few rotten apples uh, this is policing is rotten to the core. And uh, so it's a question of defunding the police, a question of spending enormous amounts of money on social programs. That's the problem with policing in this country. Uh, so until and I'm, they're not saying eliminate the police completely. Uh, they're saying pretty close to eliminate the police completely. So uh, both sides of that and lawsuits are going to fly on either side. This is KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.